Financial Services Group First Rand reported results today. It is for the financial year to the end of June. Income from operations rose by 8% to 44.2 billion rand. Headline earnings rose by 12% to 23.7 billion rand. And the final dividend of 1 rand 45 pushed up the total dividend for the year to 2 rand 75. That is an 8% increase. Return on equity increased from 23% to 23.4%. On the line is Alan Pullinger. He is the CEO of First Rand. Alan, welcome to the show. In the very first line of your results, you state that First Rand's portfolio of businesses once again produce quality top-line growth and a superior ROE. The ROE is indeed healthy, uh, but what is it superior to? Hello, Ray. It is in line with the ROE profile that we've had previously, and I think it's a, it's a result of a long strategy that we've been following. So this issue of protecting and growing our, our banking franchise, of broadening out into the adjacent activities next to banking, so the savings and investments and insurance activities, this issue of sort of digitizing uh, our platforms and getting customers into electronic channels, and also I suppose the benefit of having a, a broad portfolio because you can see, you know, it's not as if every portfolio across the group performed well. Some of the portfolios obviously end up now in, in more challenging times and conditions. But this is the benefit, I think, of having a, a broad spread. And we also say, one of the things we say about our, our return on equity is it's fundamentally driven by our return on asset profile. And that's also not an outcome of simply just chasing market share. It is deliberately sort of by design. And so we think carefully about our transactional business. We think very carefully about what assets we put onto the balance sheet and how we mix those assets. We obviously have businesses like private equity, so those help boost that ROE profile. We're very disciplined around what we like to call financial resource management, so how we think about capital and funding and liquidity and risk appetite. These things sort of guide us and keep us on the right and narrow, and I think those are all the things that sort of anchor that high return profile. Well, if you compare it to the other banks, it's uh, extremely healthy indeed. Standard Bank reported uh, interims earlier, uh, 17% ROE, Nedbank also interims 184 and APSA 14%, so it is indeed uh, a lot higher. If you just take the, the banking operations locally, uh, First National Bank and Rand Merchant Bank, how did they perform uh, in, in terms of uh, ROE? FNB really was the star of, of the show. The first half was decent, but the, their second half performance really was very good. And so we saw post the ANC elective conference in December, you know, when we started into the first year, we saw momentum picking up very strongly um, in the FNB business. And so you can see that their ROE profile is now around the 40%. So they've posted the highest ever return on equity, but they've also delivered the highest absolute level of, of profits. So as I said, pretty much across that, that F&B stack, um, which is our, our retail and commercial business, they really have, have come to the party. And then they were followed closely by R&B, which is the corporate and, and institutional business, obviously a very different business much more difficult macroeconomic environment for them because you know they're obviously dealing with business confidence they're dealing with sort of corporate activity and we all know that that's been very muted but their results weren't went up as strongly as fnb's you know they created their profit six percent but pleasingly they were able to keep their return profile at a touch above 25 percent those two businesses uh, fnb and rnd which really account for 
the bulk of our domestic banking business, I think they're all in heavy lifting this year. I see that F&B saw its normalized earnings rise by 16%, while RMB only, as you've said, did 6%. I would have thought in the current economic climate that would be the other way around. Yeah, the irony, I mean, if you look at those businesses, and they, the drivers for them are, are very different. So if I, if I look at the RMB business, the investment banking and advisory a part of RMB actually had a fantastic year. I mean, the results were up 14%. So they really did well. But I think that the business like Global Markets, which is focusing on activities like fixed income, foreign exchange, commodities, the, the irony, and it's hard to believe, but in this last financial year, we had less volatility than the previous financial year. And so in the previous financial year, I mean, we had a lot of difficulties around, you know, when we had that period where we had, uh, you know, three finance ministers over a couple of days. The market volatility in that year was extreme. And so I think for a business like Global Markets, they set a very high base for themselves. And so I think they, they struggled this year with lower volatility. Also, if you just think about corporate activity in South Africa, which is, that's where, that's the client base that RMB and the the deals and transactions that RMB is going to participate in. I mean, it was definitely a more muted year. We've had low levels of business confidence. We've had to deal with things like Steinoff. We've got a lot of sectors in the corporate and institutional space that are in difficulty. So, you know, the mining sector, I don't need to go through that, but there are many, many challenges facing that business. And that's obviously a key sector for RMB. The construction industry, also very difficult, cement, very difficult, and then some of the retailers as well. So I think for R&D, the, those drivers were different. On the consumer side, F&B's performance, it is about looking after their customers, driving what we call VSI, which is effectively sort of a cross-sell ratio, selling more products and propositions to, our, to the customer base, digitizing this process, this, uh, this integrated sort of digital ecosystem. If we look at sort of the adoption of the banking application and how many consumers are choosing to use that channel now, and we're seeing a, a very big sort of divergence between that and, say, for example, online or some of the, the physical transactions that are happening in branch. All of these things do a couple of things. One, they allow us to open up channels which are much more efficient for us to, to deliver products. But the other thing that we're seeing is it also drives transaction volumes. And very pleasingly, even in a tough time like this, F&B was able to grow their customer numbers 4% which doesn't sound a lot, but it's actually a phenomenal feat in a very, very soft market. With the announcement of uh, Discovery's results, um, it, it's apparent that First Rand uh, is not going to be part of the uh, joint venture, and uh, Discovery is going to pay First Rand uh, around 2 billion rand, 1.8, I think, to exit the, the very successful Discovery credit card. Are you worried about Discovery Bank? No, I, I think it's probably not a surprise that transactions ended where, where it has. If you just think about the, the market context around the, the big banks and the lack of competition and this desire to see new entrants into the market. And so I can understand the conditions that were imposed where it was probably very difficult to see one of the big banks having a stake in one of the new um, entrants into this banking space. So the fact that it's ended where it is is probably not a surprise for us. I mean, I think... The first round shareholders, I guess what, what they've been able to do is they've been able to monetize that future stake in the bank through this payment. Of course, it, it's a risk-free payment to us, so we, we basically have no further risk. You know, some people may argue that the optionality of having the stake in the bank may have been you know, worth more. I understand that, but that comes with a, a lot of risk. And building a bank and scaling a bank is a big, big challenge. And I think Discovery has, has acknowledged that. 
coming to your point, are they going to be successful? We think they will be successful. They're a, they're a good outfit. It's a good team. We know them well. They've got a great brand. They have a value proposition around vitality. And that credit card book is a very nice customer base. Um, we know those customers well. 30% of those customers bank with F&B and 70% bank w- you know, with the other banks. So I suppose Discovery, although they get the credit card book, and that's a great building block to start the bank, of course their challenge is then to switch those customers. So they then need to be able to, through that credit card book and through um, vitality, I guess, put propositions on the table that get those customers you know, to move their bank account from Standard Bank, APSA, F&B, Medbank, wherever they bank, and switch it over to Discovery. And that is easy in theory. It's going to be quite a challenge. And I suspect FMB and the other banks, I think, will respond appropriately. But for the consumer, it's great. Um, you know, to get a, a new entrant in, into the market, I think it's going to cause us all to sort of lift our game. Mm. FMB is certainly up for the challenge. And we like winning the race when, it's, when you're up against tough competitors, you know. And I think it's good for South Africa. It will be interesting indeed. Just lastly, we are living in very interesting times on the political front, on the economic front. We saw the uh, very bad uh, and disappointing GDP growth number, uh, you know, earlier this week. Uh, what are your views of uh, the next uh, financial year? Do, do you think these uh, developments will impact the bank significantly or materially? And what are your thoughts on the potential impact of the policy uncertainty of the uh, expropriation without uh, compensation policy that I would assume will still dominate the headlines for some time to come? There's no doubt that the South African economy is struggling and in the recent sort of GDP prints I think, reveal the the extent of the pain. I suppose when an economy is growing so so slowly, and then you just need a couple of global factors to really, really cause pain. And you can see now this sort of risk-off approach around emerging markets. You see now what's happened to the currency. And then at the same time, you've seen the oil price uh, strengthen significantly. So those translate very quickly into pain, into an an economy which is, is already struggling and growing slowly. And so... We're in, I think, very difficult times. I think certainly the president is speaking about the right kinds of reform measures, but I think we have to appreciate there's a long, tough road ahead for South Africa. This is not going to be a quick fix. I think we are certainly not in the the grouping of an Argentina or Venezuela. Okay, those countries have far more extreme problems, but I don't think we can be complacent. I mean, I think there's urgency around tackling some of these things. I think the government's fiscal position is very tight. We obviously have a Moody's rating review uh, coming up. That's going to happen before the October medium-term budget. So I think that is going to be, I think, touch and go. It's obviously a a worrying situation. So the market is going to be very soft, uh, and it's going to be soft for some time. I think consumers are in for a tough time. We expect the first interest rate hike, and and this is as, as a response for government. I think they're going to have to react to the probably the slow upward pressure they're going to start seeing on inflation. And we would think the first quarter basis points rise may still happen this calendar year. You know, what is our strategy? You know, we don't come out and blame the macros. I mean, I think the last couple of years have been difficult. We don't want to stand up and talk about our results. And, you know, if they're poor, we blame it on the macros. We simply have to perform in tough times. And we've got to outperform the macros. So, you know, if the, you know, the economy is only, you know, giving us whatever, 5%. Okay, we have to do better. Um, and so this is why we're pleased with these, these set of results. You know, we've been able to certainly produce more than what the economy was, w- was offering, and that's great for us. It's going to be tough going forward. 
You touch on land, which I guess for me is simply a category around policy certainty. That is a, a very, very important place to start. And so while I think government is, is making lots of positive moves around, for example, uh, fixing the boards of some of the state-owned enterprises, etc., I guess the big, big area to focus on is policy certainty. And I think that's what local investors and foreign investors are looking for. I have to say, with respect to land, we are far more assured by the statements that, that come from the president as opposed to all of these other noisy statements which come from lots of other places. We choose to ignore those statements and we're listening to what the president is saying. I think the president is, is, is taking a sort of a calm and measured approach to this thing. With respect to land reform, there, are, there is no doubt that land reform is urgent and it can be done in a way which is growth enhancing, which will also be very good for the banks because the banks will be able to participate in that. And that there is a way to do significant land reform and, and lift up the economy. There's also, of course, a way to do land reform which is going to be entirely destructive. So that is not certainly, we, you know, that's not the view that's coming out from the president. We are continuing to, to operate as, as business as usual. We have a, a very large uh, book of exposure through FNB commercial into the, the agricultural space, essentially directly into, into operating large operating farms. Um, our book is 29 billion rand. For us, it's business as usual. We continue to look after those, those customers. Um, they are very, very important businesses. They're very successful businesses. They've delivered results. They're also having difficult times in, in some regions around, around the drought. But for us, you know, these are businesses, to be honest, to be hugely proud of as a, as a country. They feed the nation. And for us, it's, uh, it's business as usual, and we'd like to actually grow our, our, our business in the agric space. Thank you, Alan. That was Alan Pullinger. He is the CEO of First Strand. Some really interesting insights there. The First Strand share price gaining 4.3% so far today, currently trading at 67 Rand 60. And that's it for this edition of the MoneyWeb at Meadows show from myself, Raik van Ikerk, and the MoneyWeb team. Thanks for tuning in.